Welcome to this week's episode of The 99. We've been on a short hiatus, but we are back and hopefully better than ever. This is our eighth episode, and you know what that means? We have just passed the average length of the average podcast. Most podcasts only make it to seven episodes. I want at least 99. Today's guest is in Newfoundland by... He goes by at Dubis Worshipper on Twitter. He's mailed the mail and he's guarded the convicts. This week's guest, Mitchell Gallant. Welcome to another episode of the 99. Um, we're welcoming at Dubis Worshipper today. How are you doing? Not too bad. Putting the kids to bed, you know, standard evening. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Mine's just going to bed now. <laughs> So, so, uh, what is your real name? Uh, Kyle Dubas. No, uh, my real name is Mitchell Gallant. I'm from, uh, a little spot in Newfoundland on the West Coast. Okay. You don't got the accent so much. Sometimes. Sometimes. Depends on who I'm with. Yeah. Or if you get some drinks into you. Yeah. Pretty much how it goes. You get a few beer in you and you get... You get around some of the boys, you know, and start talking about old times, and then uh, you, the, you drink the some screech. Uh, to be honest, I, I I drink a little bit of everything, but I haven't I haven't had a beer, I haven't had any alcohol now since New Year's Eve. No no particular reason, just I don't oh. know. staying away from it for a while. <laughs> there you go. I'm having a Heineken right now. Beauty. I'm having a monster, like a. Little thing this, I like to have a couple at this time of night. Yeah, yeah, I know it's it's crazy. It's not good for me. I know that, but I don't drink. Uh, I don't drink Pepsi. I don't drink beer. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't do drugs. So my guilty pleasure is a is a sugar free monster. A couple times, a couple times a week. You able to go to bed after that? Well, yeah. I, I normally don't. I normally don't hit the sack till around probably. One or two o'clock, anyway. So, 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 what are you doing for work then? Uh, <clears throat> right now, I'm a maintenance worker for a school board here in Newfoundland on the west coast. So I'm up seven o'clock in the morning. Holy crap! Five hours. Five hours, man. I I've, I've been functioning on five hours sleep now for the last ten years. So okay, I like I like to think I'm doing fine. Yeah, I go to bed about. 10 usually and then i'm up at 4 30 yeah understandable 4 30 is a bit different it depends on your job too like my job is pretty lax so yeah i shouldn't say lax but (laughs) but you know i I don't have to be super alert most of the time if i know i got a long drive or something ahead of me then i'll I'll make sure i get a bit extra rest so i'm not falling asleep while i'm driving or something yeah so so uh you're doing maintenance now You've told me a bit about some of your your previous work history um, in commercial industry, residential, industrial, um, as well as some other crazy things that I'll I'll let you talk about. Yeah, I uh, I gra- it's, it's a bit of it's a bit of a, an adventure here when I get when you get into this story with me. But graduated high school and. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. My uh, my marks were 
you know, decent. I could do what I wanted to do. I just uh, had to find, had to pick something, and I and I didn't really know what was a good choice. So I ended up working for a while, and I went away to work. I left home when I was when I was uh, almost nineteen, and started working away, making making some pretty decent money. And I came back to do schooling in Stephenville, my my hometown, Stephenville, and. Uh, I did electrical and I thought that was great because it was kind of right up the alley of what I had just been working with. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, this is, this is, this is pretty good. It's a nice clean trade. Like, you know, yeah, there's some danger that comes with it, but for the most part, I I thought it was pretty good. I worked with that for off and on for about seven years, back and forth to Alberta doing the rotational worker stuff. Yeah. That was pretty, that, that was pretty good. I actually, uh, I actually liked it. I didn't mind the travel. I didn't mind any of that stuff. I really liked the money. I liked the people, the diversity, like all that stuff was great. And, uh, then I had kids and, uh, well, I had a kid, had one first. Yeah. And I had to decide like, you know, is this something I really want to be doing with, with a baby, leaving my wife at home and just not being there to like, you know, see all those firsts. Yeah. So I decided I decided to pinch away from from trades, and I uh, I went to school and I did corrections, and I got into that for a little while. And I was working in uh, I did a little stint in uh, in a in a little prison here in my hometown, pretty like small prison, only like sixty inmates, like not not hard criminals, like in there for DUIs and yeah small possession things like, you know, like just basically like people like you or me that got, <laughs> that got caught for doing the stupid stuff that, you know, uh, lots of people do just unlucky. Right. Yeah. Did anything like crazy happen in there? Uh, I wouldn't say, yeah, well, not crazy. Uh, the craziest thing that happened to me while I was in there was, and I mean, this isn't a crazy story by any means, but the craziest thing that happened to me, I was just, I don't know, it might have been my third or my fourth shift, and uh, I was working weekend shifts, so you basically take the people who are serving weekends, so they're free to go from Monday to Friday, but then Friday evening at 6 o'clock, they got to come to prison to serve their Friday evening, Saturday, Sunday in, in prison, right? Like. Sometimes people get off with that. I don't know how, man. I don't know how people get sentenced to weekends, but yeah. sometimes that's how it goes. And uh, one of the guys that was there, it was actually somebody I knew, and uh, they had caught him on cameras uh, in the, digging in a toilet. And he had, <laughs> actually, uh, he had actually brought in stuff in his in his ass. Yeah. And uh, it was in a little kinder egg there. And when he went through, it was like, it wasn't even enough. <laughs> it wasn't even enough to roll a joint. Yeah. And he had no lighter. So, <laughs> so uh. I don't know what his plan was, man, but you know, <laughs> that was, that, that, I mean, that, that was, that was about it. There was, there wasn't too much. It Like I said, it was a, it was a pretty good spot, man. There was the craziest a- part, honestly, was how easygoing prison is. Hmm. <laughs> They had, they, they were like, man, they had it made. Like, there's no locks under, they're basically staying in a dorm. There's no yeah. locks under doors, just free roam, cards, TV, digital cable, living it up, man. Full access to a gym, three cooked wow. meals a day. 
Nothing phone like calls movies. whenever they want. Whenever they want phone calls, they can have it. They get canteen twice a week, and the canteen consists of anything that you can buy at like Walmart. Yeah, you can. If you got money in your account, you can buy it, and they can have whatever the fuck they want. Huh? It's crazy, but they're not allowed garbage bags though. You can, you can have a, a fucking case of pop and a case of chips, but no garbage bags. Huh? Weird. Pretty weird. Pretty weird. There there was a guy here. Um, a few years ago, he went, he went to jail. He's always in, he's always in jail. That guy. Um, yeah. For small time things generally, but he just always uh, ends up back. He, uh, had a kinder surprise egg. I'm not sure what he had in there. Probably, probably some, uh, ice pills, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, maybe weed, whatever, but it broke in his oh, ass yeah. and like he had to go to the infirmary in there and then. I'm not sure if he got extra time for that. I imagine he would, but it depends. Yeah. It's up oh, to yeah? the correction officer. See, okay. the correction officer can charge you, but it's not the same thing as like a police officer charging you. Yeah. So, like a correction officer can say, you know, I'm going to charge you under whatever, and then basically it goes through like a an in system court, and then you can get punished further through the jail system. Yeah. Like the in-house jail system, or they can actually bring it to the RCMP, and then the RCMP can kind of decide what they're going to do. But for the most part, like, little shit like that, they tend to, like, let fly. Because, I mean, if you had to go after, like, every little... I mean, it doesn't seem little, someone sneaking drugs in, in their ass, but if you had to go after everyone that did that, man, you'd... The court system's flooded enough, especially I don't know I don't know about where you, where you are, but here in Newfoundland, the court system is just absolutely flooded. Yeah, it's a small island, eh? Newfoundland. Well, it's a big island with no people. <laughs> you know, PEI is the small island. That's yeah, right. PEI is a small island. Yeah, New like Newfoundland's pretty big, but I mean, we don't our population can't really support what our you know our tax paying population can't support. What everybody wants. We don't have enough money coming in here. Yeah. So everyone wants to get treated, you know, like uh, like Ontario or Quebec. We've got millions of people. But you just, you can't. When you got 500,000 people and, you know, half, you, you say 13% of that 500,000 people are unemployed. And then, uh, you know, there's a pretty good percentage on uh you know, social assistance or, or welfare, yeah. whatever you want to call it. So right there, you're, you know, you got to have tax dollars coming in if you want to, if you want your island to succeed and you got all these little communities that are say, you know, you might have a city with like uh, I say city, but you know, a small, where I live, there's 8,000 people and that's yeah. like a big spot in Newfoundland. But in my area, there's all these little communities that are like 40 kilometers out north 40 kilometers out northeast like just off and you got to clear the roads to get there like you know they want their roads paved every year and yeah you know to 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 supply that money just is insane we got i think we got 17 communities in newfoundland or 17 or more where you need you need a ferry to get there and the ferry costs six dollars to ride but there's seven or eight workers on the ferry who are all making you know 20 or 30 bucks an hour yeah, and the ferry got to go from, you know, from land to island. So you're not even coming close. <laughs> you know, six or seven dollars to cross. You're not even coming close to, uh, 
You're not even coming close to paying for it. It's 100% subsidized, everything. So Yeah. Newfoundland's yeah, not in happy. good shape. Well, that's rough. Is it is it like uh, liberal or conservative out there? It's liberal right now. I don't know what's I don't know what's going to happen here. We're gonna we that might see a shift. Me. Yeah, it doesn't really surprise. Like I don't I don't know I don't know if it surprises me because um most of the people who would vote conservative are probably in Alberta working. Oh, they probably don't get a chance to vote. Yeah. I don't know if that's a fact. I'm just guessing, you know? And um, we have a super old population. Like, I think we have the oldest population in Canada. So a lot of of our population is liberal from – just from old, old, the old days. Yeah. I don't know. It's just li- a lot of liberal views, but I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen this, this, uh, this election because it seems like a lot of people are kind of not knowing where they, what they want to lean towards. Yeah, especially even even if they're a traditional conservative or a traditional liberal, it seems like a lot of people are really confused on what what way they want to lean. I could fully see the exact same result as last time. Another uh, liberal minority. That's that's what yeah. I see happening. I can see that too. Honestly, like I don't know. I, I'm the type of person like I, I am political. I when I was 18 years old, I uh, I thought I knew better than everyone. So I'm never going to vote. Don't matter who you vote for. Not going to change anything. You know what yeah. I mean? I was 18 years old. I thought, you know, politics were stupid. I'm never going to I'm never going to read into any of that stuff. I don't need to know anything about that. No matter who I vote for, they're not going to change anything anyway. That was my stance, right? Yeah. And I got older and I was like, shit, I probably should know a little bit about this stuff because it's pretty important. <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh I would say I went from, I went from a pretty like, I I was a pretty hardcore right wing, I think, like I was pretty like, I didn't think there was any like problems, man. I thought like everything was honky dory. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just did my research, man, and I just start like fading away from that right side, like just more and more and more and more and more, and. Uh, I don't know where I am now, man. I really don't. I don't know what I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I, I understand some things that, you know, I understand some stances and some, uh, some of the conservative platform. Yeah. Especially as someone who's worked in the industrial field, Alberta for like so long, you know what I mean? Like conservatives are pro Alberta big time. So, you know, that was a, a big lean for me in, in previous years. Yeah. But, you know, then I looked at the liberal side of things and just like the, I don't know. No, I, hear I looked you. at the, the human, the humanizing factor that the liberals put in. Like, yeah, I don't like Justin Trudeau and I don't, I don't trust him, but I do think that in terms of equality and uh, things like that, I, I think that he's like, you know, trying to be a leader or trying to, to turn heads. 
Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. But, you know, <laughs> where, yeah, do you want, where do you want to go? What do you lean towards, right? Yeah. It, it's funny. Uh, I, I've never voted liberal. Uh, it's always – I've always either voted uh, conservative or NDP, which is kind yeah. of funny because they're <laughs> the opposite ends. It's usually yeah. NDP, but I did vote for Doug Ford in the last – provincial election i think i was a little caught up in the get win out yeah train that was going on yeah I, th- I think the i think the big problem with voting in general is like people rarely vote somebody in people almost always vote somebody out yeah you know yeah. what i mean it's like if o'toole gets in it's not going to be because people like O'Toole. It's going to be because people hate Trudeau. Like, you know, it's, it's like Donald Trump didn't get voted out. Well, maybe Donald Trump did because that's something completely different. But it's uh, it's like uh, I mean, I, Biden get voted in. Trump got voted out kind of thing. You know, that's yeah. kind of how it had to go. Had to go that way. And like I, I see the same thing happening here in Canada. But I just don't think that conservative can come up with like a competent person to actually go against Trudeau. I yeah. think uh, I think if 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 the last election wasn't Andrew Scheer, if it was like anybody, man, like if it was the guy before him there, Patrick Brown. Yeah, like man, it could have been like Mister Dress Up, like Fred Penner. <laughs> I think you know, I think we would have had a, a, a minority conservative at at worst. But uh, I think NDP's catching up, man. That's where I'm voting. Yeah, me too. I think I can't vote liberal because I think Trudeau's. A, I, I just I just think there's way too much deception. There's yeah. way too many lies. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of. Uh, I guess I don't know what word I'm looking for, but there's a lot of like human issues. I feel with the Ethical. conservative side. Yeah, ethical. That would be that'd be a good way of putting it. Yeah, you know, I'm pro. I'm I'm all about choice and like, I wouldn't say I'm I'm non-religious or I I don't believe in faith or anything like that. But I think when it comes to uh, the conservative side of things and how they want to like you know try and evolve God and religion and pretty much like every scientific base, I think that's just a bit wacky for me. I can't, I can't, I can't, this, I can't. The side with that for me is like, like, uh, I am, uh, wouldn't say I'm exactly religious. Like I believe in God. Yes. Full, full, like I, I identify as a Christian. Yes, I don't like too. the way the, the church does things, how, how that basically runs. But with like parties, like Republicans and conservatives, I think they use, use that. Because a Christian is an easy vote. You just got to mention something about abortions or prayer in schools and you've got 10,000 votes. You're right. You're right. That's all. It's just an easy vote. It's not genuine in my mind. No, I agree. And I've said I've said uh, something along that line for like a long, long time. I said um, a lot of times when you're dealing with like different parties. So you get this one party and the platform that they promote is like, you know, we want 
I'll just use colors as an example because it's, cause it's easy. We want this black. We want this black. We want this black. The other party might not necessarily think that like white is the right thing, but they have to use white because it's the because it's the other side of the platform. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're just they're just they know that as long as they promote the opposite, it gets votes. Yeah. So, like, how much? Yeah, like you said, like genuine. Like, how much of the person that's actually campaigning is genuine behind the platform that they're actually promoting. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we get enough of that at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, something kind of funny I was thinking about. Uh, I've been thinking about it for a little bit. I think that Justin Trudeau is a bit like uh, all those sound clips you see of him saying stupid shit. He's, <laughs> he's freaking the liberal George Bush. Like, I don't oh, know if yeah. you've ever, I was thinking about George Bush's old quote the other day. Uh, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Well, you just can't get fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, George Bush. A, a beauty. Yeah. But not I, really. I was a, I was a little kid when he was in office. Yeah. How old are you? 26. Okay, I'm 31, so I'm a little bit older, but not same, too much older. Same generation. Yeah, 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 for sure. I kind of grew up a little bit behind anyways because didn't have a lot of money, so. Oh, I thought you were going to say Newfoundland education. <laughs> nah. Nah, come on, man. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That could be part of it, too. I I've know. only met two Newfoundlanders before, and both of them... Their nickname was Noof. Okay, yeah. Up the, <laughs> it, it, when it comes like when it comes to Newfoundlanders living somewhere else permanently around a group of people who aren't Newfoundlanders, normally that becomes their nickname by yeah. default. They both had the 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 accent, the thick accent there. Oh yeah. Do you know? Do you have? Do you have any idea? Like whereabouts? They're uh, they were. From no, I don't like. Uh, like they're people I met on construction sites, and they were contractors. Oh, okay. They were subcontractors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We got like where I'm from, actually, like the town I'm from. We actually like. I mean, we do have an accent, obviously, but it's not like uh, it's not thick. It's not thick like uh, some of the little like outport towns that are around. Yeah. Like there's some places that I don't even understand. It's like holy shit, what that guy just say? You know, you really gotta. <laughs> You really got to zone in if you want to pick any sense of it. Is is there a lot of French there? Um, where I am, uh, we have about a forty minute drive from me. We have a, a French school, like it's completely French. There's a French school board, and the whole community is French. Like everybody in the community can speak French. They can yeah. all speak English too, obviously. But French is like it's hard to say. Like I wouldn't say it's their primary language, but like it's like. Fifty-one forty-nine, man. Like it's it's really close, right? Okay, so, it's kind of like here then. But I mean, it's not. I mean, that's one community. There's probably only like, geez, five hundred people that live there, right? Yeah. So, and then the closest French community to that is, you know, a, a good ways away. Okay. So, bit a bit of French, but there's a there's a huge immersion program through our. Uh, through our through our school, like I'd say thirty percent, no, pr- probably like between twenty and thirty percent of students who attend school here do a French immersion program. 
like in an English school, right? So okay. Not too bad. Okay. So so uh we we were talking about your uh your prison guarding there. Um so what like how long did you do that and then and what what did you move on to after that? So um in 2015, I'll explain it right from the start. In 2015, um, I seen a job posting online. And um, in order to be a correctional officer in Newfoundland, you have to do a Newfoundland-provided training course. Okay. So, like, you know, if you want to be a doctor, you can go to a pile of schools to be a doctor. As long as you get, like, you know, your your degree or your... As long as you get whatever you need from that school to be a doctor, you can work in Canada as a doctor once you pass your your exam, right? Um, yeah, yeah. When it when it comes to correctional officer, it's the same sort of thing. You know, there's a couple of schools in Canada you can go to, and you can get your certificate. Obviously, it's not the same thing. I'm not I'm not trying to put a, a correctional officer on the same pedestal as a doctor, but you know what I mean. Um, but in Newfoundland, they were training right out of right out of home base so you wouldn't get any certificate you would get nothing but they would consider you competent enough to work as a correctional officer in newfoundland and newfoundland only so i was like okay well i'll apply for that program i have no training i don't i've never done like any security i've never done anything yeah i said oh well i'm 25 years old you know i'm in decent shape and i do think that that would be something that i'd like to do so i'll apply so I applied and I went through the whole process. I did all the physical testing and uh, I did my interview and the whole shebang. I made it right to the final stage and they told me, um, you know, can't hire you. You don't have any experience at all in any field, even similar to this. So yeah. I said, okay, well, that's, that's understandable, of course. You know what I mean? Like this is a pretty dangerous profession. So, you know. I can live with that, but I said, you know, I'd like to do this. So maybe I should, maybe I should take steps towards, you know, advancing myself in that direction. So I went and did like a week security course, which was like, you know, just a a simple security course that you could use to work like on like a a job, any job site, like a construction job site or something along those lines, you know, nothing serious, like key protection and, and proper patrols and super simple stuff. Yeah. And um I worked a security job, just a small security job, and uh I went back, applied for it again in 2016. Same uh same scenario, went through the whole the whole shebang, did all the physical testing, the interview, and then they basically told me um we like that you've took steps in the right direction, but um you know, your job experience is still not relevant enough for us to consider you a prime candidate. Yeah. I said, okay, still understandable, whatever. So I applied again in 2017. I never really did anything any different. I just got like a few first aid courses and obviously like another year of experience kind of thing. And, uh, same situation went through the whole process. Didn't get hired. 2018. I said, screw this. I'm going to PEI. And I don't know if you've heard of Holland college and PEI, but no. it's a, it's a, it's a police academy. Um, they 
basically they train like conservation officers, correctional officers, firefighters, uh, like municipal police officers, like stuff yeah. like that. Right. And it's all, it's a, it's paramilitary. So it's pretty crazy actually. Um, it was a great experience. I went there and, uh, I started, I started class. Uh, we, when we first arrived, actually, it was like, um, we want to have a meeting with you and you need to wear a shirt and tie and dress pants. So we went, you know, everybody, there was, a. Uh, 30 kids in my class. I say kids, you know, most of them were like 18. 19, 20 years old. Okay. And, uh, showed up and then, you know, all these people walk in and they're like screaming at us being like, this is going to be a hard year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, trying to, like <laughs> military, like what you would expect, except what they like, call you maggots. You. No, they never did that shit. It wasn't that hardcore, but you know, you get the idea. And, yeah. um, you know, I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be pretty cool. We had to do like physical training, six o'clock in the morning, like go for like, you know, hour runs and like all kinds of, you know, uh, crazy training circuits and stuff like that. Like it was, it was like, it was right up my alley. Like it was exactly what I wanted to do. I was in really good shape at that point. Like everything was, was, go- was going great. And I took on like a leadership role there. So I was our squad leader. I, uh, you know, I listened to all the complaints and uh, basically went back to whoever, the, the instructors, and uh, complained for people and made sure people were following rules. And, like, we had yeah. we had work to do. Like, certain things had to be done that had to be done by the students and stuff like that. Like, that was all through me and another another girl that was with me. She was another squad leader. But I, that went really well. I did the whole program, finished the program, and... Uh, it was funny because all the kids were like, you know, 19, 20 years old. They're all like scrawny little things, man, in wicked shape. And I'm here like, I was in pretty good shape, but I wasn't in the shape the 19, 20, 20 year olds were in, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I had one kid, another one on the way. And, uh, you know, my wife was home with one youngster. She was in the middle of doing an LPN program while pregnant, while doing a preceptorship working with like no help because yeah. her parents are young. My parents are young. So it was, it was crazy trying to juggle everything. You know what I mean? What, what and, is LPN? Uh, a licensed practical nurse. Okay. okay. So I don't know. I don't know what that would be called in the, RPN here. RPN. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she was doing, she, she was finishing that up and, uh, finally I finished the program, you know, I, uh, I did everything like the physical testing. I, I finished third in the classroom. Like, and you know, we had to run a co-pat. It's like a, an obstacle course. I don't know if yeah. you've ever seen it or anything like that, but you know, it's just basically a two minute run and you got like uh, three minutes to run it or whatever, but I was doing it in like a minute and 50 seconds, which was like a pretty good time. Yeah. And uh, you know, I did all these things, man. I, I did as, as as good as I could possibly do. I was always prepared. Like your your clothes had to be ironed every day. Your bed had to be folded a certain way. Your your books had to be lined up from like tallest to smallest. Like your shakers and your protein had to be put in a certain order. Like your computers had to be a certain way. Your stand up shower had to be wiped. Like as soon as you showered, like there had to be no watermarks on your shower, no watermarks on your sink or your stainless steel. Like a toothbrush had to be pointed a certain way. Like it was, it was insane, right? Like the dust on top of your, I would have failed. Oh, it was, it was insane. (laughs) Like, and I was like, I was, I was on the ball. Like I was, I was always ready 24 seven. It didn't matter what. 
And uh, at the end of the course, um, there was 12 Newfoundlanders. And uh, Newfoundland was putting off the same program that I was talking about earlier, the one that I had gone through the process three times. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm getting in for sure this time. Like, I'm actually going to be a certified correctional officer now. Yeah. And I took on a leadership role. Like, I'm one of the top in the – I finished the course, I think, with a 97 average. Yeah. I've, I've – you know, I was top three in physical training – in our physical uh, training portion. So I said, oh, it's impossible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my references are going to be great. Like, basically, there's no way I don't get accepted. But, of course, long story short, you know didn't get accepted and uh one of the other kids that was with us he got accepted he was like he almost got kicked out of school twice like he was after fighting with other kids in the class like yeah big hothead right which like you cannot be as a correction officer you know what i yeah. mean like if somebody's gonna call you something in the prison and you're gonna get mad at them like you're gonna get your ass kicked like it's not yeah. good right and you know i went through that process and i was just you know really bummed out and uh, I took a job as a as a security officer at a at a college, so I was like a a college dorm security officer, which yeah. was pretty insane because you know you're dealing with kids in a college dorm. Not always, <laughs> not always easy to deal with, but I found I got along with them pretty good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I worked as a correction officer for a little while. But uh, it was mostly just uh, it was mostly just like uh, work term stuff. So about three months, and that and got cut off short. Didn't get didn't ever hook the job. I finally I finally got offered a position, like I was completely hired, and that was about three months ago. Okay. The position they offered me was in Labrador. Oh. And uh, my wife's a, a nurse here at the hospital, so I was like, man, I'm not packing my family up leaving, making my wife quit her job and then going to live in Labrador. You know what yeah. I mean? I just, I didn't want to, didn't want to take that plunge. So I stuck around. I work with the, I work with the school board now. I'm full-time permanent. So beggars can't be choosers, man. Yeah. <laughs> and know? so you're, you're a mailman as well. I was, yeah. I, uh, I guess I still technically am, but I'm on call. So I really don't get many calls for that, but I did work with it for a couple months and delivering mail. It was a pretty crazy, like Christmas time, right? Yeah. You get all the extra people ordering their things and I did a lot of sorting, but I did deliver some mail too. And that was, that was pretty, I actually really enjoyed that, uh, you know, between 10 and probably say 10 and 17 kilometer walks delivering mail. A mailman on foot. Yeah. Mailman on foot. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I didn't think they did that anymore. Yep. I didn't know that they didn't do that anymore. But, I mean, that's just uh, geographical differences, I guess. You know? Yeah, like where I'm from, we're only 10,000 here. But we probably have community mailboxes. We've got uh post office, yeah. And then, well, there's some rural route stuff as well. Yeah. Most people don't have a mailbox in their driveway, I'd say. Yeah, they got a community. It's, it's like a CMB. It's it's a community mailbox. So you either go to the post office and pick up your mail, or there's like a like a big mailbox on like the corner of your yeah exactly. Street. And That's what every, got. yeah, you can yeah exactly. Most people we're like we're moving in that direction, 
but are you like the union is trying to like stop it because it kills jobs, right? Yeah. So that seems kind of peaceful walking around delivering. The oh, mail. it's great, man! It's great, and like you can do it as fast as you want, right? So you get in in the morning, and if you're crazy swamped. It takes you a while to sort it because you actually got to sort through all of it, right? So yeah. you get in and you got – so someone will work in the nighttime. And in the nighttime, they'll order – they'll push the mail around on the different routes. Yeah. So in our case, there's seven routes here where I'm from. So as the people in the nighttime move it, they'll get like an address, route one, another address, route three. Then, you know, as a box fills up, they'll put it at that person's station. So when you go yeah. in the morning, you might have – Three boxes full of mail, you might have 10 boxes full of mail. It, de- it depends, right? So if you go in and you got 10 boxes full of mail, you got you got to sort it all. So you pick, you look at the address and you put it in the, the small cubby that it goes in. It's like a cubicle. Yeah. And you and then, you know, you once you've got all your mail put away in all the cubicles, then you pull it as if you were walking, right? So I'm going to go to the street first. Like, this is the first place I'm going to go. You pull that piece of mail out and then so on. You know, you just keep going, going, going. So that way, when you're pulling your mail out of your bag, you're pulling it as the order you're walking, you know? Yeah. And uh, so some days you'll have like, you know, like 300 pieces of mail. So you can get your, you can get your route done in like fucking two hours. Yeah. You're done in two hours. So you go in, you sort your mail, you're probably on the road by 8.30 and then 10.30 you're done. And then you're done for the day. You get paid for eight hours, you're home at 11 o'clock. Ooh. It's great. Yeah, man. It's great. I'm in the wrong gig. Oh man, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> like it is beautiful. Now, in saying that, you got days where you're walking at 35 degrees and days where you're walking at minus 35 degrees too, yeah. right? So Yeah. It's not always uh it's not always beautiful. <laughs> but for the most part, pretty good gig. Yeah. Yeah, here you've got to be no French to apply at the the post office. Yeah, that's a that's a like a I guess it is a an asset. Yeah. They would definitely consider you above someone who's like you know, just English. Yeah. For sure. But um like I got hired with another guy, another guy that I knew, and he was uh he went through French immersion, so technically he's bilingual, but I mean he graduated with me in two thousand eight, so I don't know how much French he practiced since two thousand and eight, you know. Yeah. You can still put it on a resume, man. You know, he did what he did. So can't take it away from him now. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty good at getting hired once I have the interview. Like if I don't get called, that's, it is what it is. But I, when I've had the interview, there's only one job I ever interviewed that I didn't get the job. Yeah. Which I'm I was saying. fine with. I was fine with because it, it, I was just, I was laid off for the winter and then I applied, uh, is a salesman at the source. Yeah. And, uh, I was sure I had it actually. Like she's like, yeah, I only got one other interview, but we'll probably call you tomorrow. Um, but this other person actually had experience in sales. I did not have experience in yeah. sales. And sometimes that's the world of difference. And then a couple of weeks later I got hired to go do diamond drilling. So that was a step up. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm the same. Normally, you know, my resume is like pretty well rounded. Like I will say that I've I've done a fair bit in my time. Yeah. But 
once I if I if I get a, if I get a chance to speak to someone, normally I can uh, I can I can speak my way into uh, into where I need to be. Depends. I've had some tough interviews, man. I've done some. Yeah. I've applied for some, you know, pretty good like government jobs and stuff where it's gone pretty good. But you've, it's a, a lot of competition, right? You know, you're probably you're probably doing an interview for one job amongst like 15 people, right? So yeah, that's tough. But at, if nothing else, it's it's experience, right? So yeah, so. I look at it. So, um, you're, you've told me you're going through a move right now. Like, are you moving out of town or you're moving? I'm moving in town. In I'm, moving, town. I'm relocating in the same spot. Um, so what happened was, uh, my wife argued with me for about, uh, two years <laughs> that, <laughs> to move cause our house is too small. And, yeah. uh, basically my argument was, you know, we bought a duplex, uh, you know, one side of a duplex. We bought it for a reasonable price and we were paying, paying a reasonable mortgage. Yeah. And I said, the market right now, if we sell our house, like we're not going to make any money on it. So what's the point to sell to not make any money? Because then we'll be looking for something else. And our financial situation uh, wasn't great. Like, uh, like I had mentioned to you, um, uh, Back in 2019, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So I was off work for a while. I had surgery and all that fun stuff. And then COVID kicked in. I didn't have a job. Like it was just a string of like, you know, bad, bad luck, not just for me, but you know, everybody. Yeah. And, uh, it was particularly bad for me because no unemployment, no job. Like I just had nothing, you know, and, uh, I had to depend on my wife who was off on maternity leave. So, you know, she was forced to go back to work early and all that fun stuff. And, uh, we built up some debt pretty bad. So in order for us to sell our house, we would need to make money because otherwise, you know, you wouldn't be able to get another mortgage. Right. Exactly. Because our debt ratio would be too high. Yeah. So, um, we weren't planning on selling and she was at work one day and someone was like, Oh, I heard you're selling your house. Ha ha ha. And she's like, oh, I'll sell it for the right price. And uh, she came home and told me about it. And she's like, yeah, they want to look at it. And I was like, well, I mean, there's no harm in someone coming looking at it. But, yeah, you know, probably not going to sell her house. So they came and looked at it. And they're like, yeah, we like it. Uh, you know, we wouldn't mind uh, putting an offer in on it. And I was like, well, we're selling it privately. So if you want to put an offer in, the offer is going to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not going to do it real estate or nothing like that. It's just going to be a private sale. And then somebody else ended up coming in and saying, oh, I'm interested too. (laughs) So I was like, all right. So uh, they came and looked. And then they basically had a little bidding war going on. Yeah. uh, They built their way up to like a a reasonable price for us. It was a reasonable price in general because we had a flood in November. Um, Our washer our washer gave out and backed up and uh, it destroyed our basement. So all of our drywall, all of our baseboards, all of our flooring, like our washer and dryer, hot water tank, our vanity in our bathroom, like bedrooms, like everything was redone in our basement. Literally yeah. everything. It's a brand new basement and it cost us $15,000. I did all Ooh. the work myself with my father-in-law. So like, you know, we, we put some pretty expensive stuff in here and like we didn't cheap out. We bought yeah. some, we bought some good stuff. 
and uh, we redid the kitchen floor. We redid the kitchen cabinets. My bathroom upstairs was done. We paved our driveway. That cost five grand. We put a put a fence in our backyard. Um, you know, we, we did a lot of work, a lot of work to this place. Probably over the last four years, we put like thirty grand in it, right? So yeah. They paid two hundred for it. Now it's, it's officially sold. Now we're just still kind of living here for we, our closing date September first, so we're here for another you know week and a half. Yeah. But uh, it was enough for me to say, okay, we can use the money we're going to make here to pay off the debt that we have to be able to afford another house. Yeah. And uh, it made sense. Like even if we didn't have anything lined up, we'd be better off going somewhere and paying rent. Because we're getting money back to pay off the debt that we have, right? Yeah. So, you know, the, basically, like the way I put it to my wife was, the money that we get back from selling this house is enough to pay off enough debt where it saves us $1,000 a month. Yeah. So, right there, you know, you're saving $1,000 a month on your debt, plus you're saving, a th- you're, I don't know, I'm saving $1,000 a month on my mortgage. Yeah. So... And right now we're going to live with in-laws, which is going to be, holy, yeah. that's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> I used to Not rent fun. a house off my in-laws and we got we got out of there because it was pretty crazy. <laughs> oh, man. Like we're actually going to be like in their basement. So Ooh, I can't imagine. But we're in the process. We're, we'll, I, I, I meet tomorrow with the bank. We'll know for building. So we're looking at building. I know. That sounds crazy, but I don't know what the prices of stuff are. It's wood is insane are, right now. What is insane? Wood. Oh, wood. Yeah, no, it's not too bad here. Like, really? Like, if you were to build, like, say, uh, like a like a twenty five hundred square foot home, like, say, twelve hundred on top, twelve hundred on bottom, like, what would it cost you with land? Oh, I I don't know that. You don't know, but I know that in general, like a two by six, for example. Uh, like a year ago would be six bucks here. Yeah. And now it's like it's 25 bucks. Oh shit. No, no, it's not. It's gone down. Like, it's like, like it would have been like seven bucks here. And now it's like nine. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. That's not it's, too it's bad. It's gone down a lot. Then. Yeah. So like, we're going to build a house. So 2,800 square feet, um, with land, but no driveway and no sod. So like, you know, just a house basically. And that's, yeah. cost, and that'll cost us two eighty. Two hundred eighty thousand, like which I think is like extremely reasonable. Yeah. Okay. Not cheap, but reasonable. I know here. Well, I guess it works if you're selling your house because I think here you need like fifty percent of the cost of of building as your down payment. Yeah, it's it's like that here too, but there's ways around it. It's okay. Like, uh, so basically we agree to a turnkey mortgage. So we only pay 5% and the contractor builds a house and owns it, then sells the built house to us, even though we pick out everything that goes in the house. You know what I mean? Okay. So we're not actually building it. We're buying it off of them. Okay. But we're building it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's a turnkey mortgage. Like not every contractor will do that. And it depends on like how busy they are and like what access they have the funds and stuff like that. Yeah. Because then they're the one that lays the 50% down. Right. 
because they're the one that needs the fifty percent, or they're the one that needs the builder's mortgage because, you know, yeah, they're the one that's basically paying up front to build the house. So, okay, it's a bit so, different. So, uh, you mentioned you you had testicular cancer. You do you still you still have that? So, what happened was, uh, it's pretty crazy. I uh, I was I had some shit going on. And uh, I didn't know what it was. It was like uh, I was getting like a – it was almost like the inside of my thigh was swelling up. I was getting yeah. like bad chafe. Like I was golfing and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I was getting bad chafe. Like not normal chafe like, you know, like a normal man would get from yeah. walking like, you know, 12 or 15 kilometers golfing or whatever. It was like even if I was only going, you know, walking up and down the stairs a couple times a day, I was still like getting really irritated. So I was like, man, I didn't have a family doctor. Uh, because it's really hard to get a family doctor here. And even to yeah. see a family doctor, it's like sometimes you wait like two months just to make an appointment with them. But my wife is a nurse, so she ended up going to the hospital and being like, hey, will anyone take my husband as a patient? And someone was like, ah, well, he hasn't had a family doctor for 15 years, so you know <laughs> yeah. what could go wrong? And yeah. anyways, he took me on as a patient. And I was like, like the day he took me on, I was like, Megan, make me an appointment. I got some shit going on. I want to get it checked, which is like completely unlike me, man. I'm like the most like passive person ever i'll be like oh it'll get better yeah but i just i didn't and this just just for this situation and uh i went and got checked and he was like yeah it doesn't seem too bad he said you're like at the time i was powerlifting. he said so there could be um like a, a blockage of blood flow which is causing like a swell in like the vein inside of your like scrotum yeah so that could be why you're swelling, right? That would be why you're chafing. And I was like, Oh, well that does make sense. Like that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I even like, kind of like tested it. Like before I go to the gym, like kind of have a little feel after I go to the gym, have a little feel. And I did notice that there was like a difference in, in, in swelling in size. Right. So I was like, Oh yeah, that, that's good. He said, but anyways, I'm going to give you an ultrasound just to like, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's kind of thing. So I said, perfect. And I uh, went for an ultrasound and I was there forever, man. This woman was just like rubbing that little thing all over my, my nuts. And I was like, <laughs> man, like, this is like intrusive. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like what is going on? And she's, I was like, there must be something there. And she's like, Oh, even if there was, I'm not allowed to tell you. And I was like, okay. So like a week later I get to call and they're like, yeah, you need to go to another hospital to have another ultrasound because the girl that did your ultrasound is not super familiar in that area. And she couldn't really get like a, she couldn't get the pictures that we needed. So yeah. I was like, okay, perfect. So I go in and I sit down in the in the little bed or whatever it is. And the guy, the, the radiologist is like, do you know why you're here? And I was like, yeah, the girl said she wasn't experienced, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, they found something. And they wanted to send you to somebody with more experience. I was like, oh, they found something? He's like, yeah, we found something, but we don't think there's much to it. We just want to like, you know, do the due diligence that, due diligence that they need to do. Yeah. So I said, oh, well, no, no problem. So he's there and he was like, same thing, man. Like just grinding it out. Like <laughs> it's crazy. And uh, he asked for uh, two other people to come in and they were like, they were looking at the screen and they showed me the screen and there was just like this little tiny spot. And they're like, man, we think it's a cyst, which is like, you know, there's nothing to that. Yeah. And buddy was like, yeah, I worked in Ontario in a, in a urology department doing ultrasounds on, you know, scrotums and stuff like that for the last 12 years. He said, if, if I had to give you any advice, he, he was like, I wouldn't have surgery. 
your doctor's, your urologist is going to offer surgery. He's like, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd keep an eye on it. If there's any growth, we'll tackle it. Yeah. But as of right now, like, you know, I, I don't think there's anything to it. So I was like, okay, perfect. So I went to the urologist and uh, my family, you know, of course my family consulted with me and they were like, they're all crying. Like if you, you don't know me at all, but like, I'm the most like easygoing person. Nothing bothers me, man. Like, yeah, I, even if they would have said, you know, I had stage four cancer and I was going to die in six months, I would have been like, no, I'm not like, I'm good to go. You know what I mean? I'm going to get through this. Like, that's just my mentality. And, uh, I went to the urologist and he was like, yeah, I can do surgery and we can remove the testicle, but that's completely up to you. Right? Like we don't need to do that. We can keep an eye on it. And then, and I was like, nah, remove it. He's like, seriously, like you don't need to do that. I was like, nah, remove it. He's like, are you sure? Like that's your manhood, right? Like you don't, you know, you don't, is that, is that something you really want to do? I was like, ah, man, I got two kids. Like, you know, I don't need to like, really, what does that do besides provide a little testosterone? And if I got to take testosterone, uh, yeah. supplements, like who cares? Like that's, that's not a big deal. Like I'd rather take testosterone supplements and like live than have cancer and die. Right. So yeah. that was my mentality. And he's like, okay, we'll do surgery. So I did surgery. They removed my left testicle and, uh, I went back and seen him and he was like, oh yeah, we did the biopsy and everything's good. You don't have cancer, but we're going to send you to see an oncologist. And I was like, why am I going to see a cancer doctor if I don't have cancer? And he's like, Oh, you can ask him like, you know, (laughs) you can, you can ask him that question. And I was like, well, this don't make any sense to me. Like, and my wife's a nurse. So she understands how the system works. She's like, no, you don't see an on like our, our system is backed up enough. You don't see an oncologist if you don't need to see an oncologist, like what's going on. Yeah. He like, you know, he, he wasn't the most, uh, he wasn't the best to get along with. He basically just said, you know, my job is done. He'll speak to you now, basically. So yeah. within the week, I was I went to see an oncologist, and he's like, "Do you know why you're here?" And I said, "Well, I said I don't know why I'm here, but I got a pretty good idea, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, take a seat. Like, I'm gonna have a good conversation with you." And he's like, "Yeah. So what you have is, it's called uh, it's it was a non-germ cell Leydig testi- testicular cancer. So the type of cancer it is." is not a standard cancer. Like most people who get cancer have germ cell cancer. And what a germ cell cancer is, is a type of cancer that can be, um, it can be attacked by chemotherapy and radiation. So that'll like help shrink or, or get rid of a tumor yeah. where non-germ cell doesn't have any effect when it comes to radiation and chemo. So um, basically the cells that my cancer released in my body are still active and they're looking for a host. So it looks for an abnormality to host on. And then when it finds a host, it can create another tumor. And then that tumor becomes a non-germ cell tumor. And that turns into cancer. And then it has to be removed through surgery because chemo and radiation don't do anything. Yeah. So as of right now, I don't have cancer, but I have four nodes. I have two in my lungs and two on my colon that the doctors are keeping a close eye on. And if they grow, then I need to go under the knife to have surgery to remove those tumors. Right. So it's possible that in the next year I have surgery on my lungs and my colon, but I'm not sick. I've never been sick. I've never had any problems, no issues. Like I, nothing's changed in my life. Like I, you know, nothing like I'm 
you would never know. You would never know the difference unless I told you. So it's not like something that's affecting me besides the fact that like my family like cries every day and like asks how I feel and like kind of uncomfortable, but <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But besides that, oh, that's kind of scary. It is, it is scary. And you know what? Like, I really don't care except for I got kids. Like I grew up with a, with a single mom, so I didn't have a dad. Yeah. And the reason I didn't have a dad is because he was a piece of shit. Like I'm not a piece of shit, but if something happened to me, then I would, I mean, I wouldn't feel anything cause I'd be dead, but yeah, you know, I wouldn't want my kids to grow up without me because of something stupid like that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I'm saying I'm doing the best I can, but I probably, I, I, I just, I told you when we started that I'm drinking a, a monster three or four days a week. I probably could do a little bit better than that, but they have still green gonna, tea I still got to enjoy your life, good. man. The green tea monsters are pretty good. Oh, you have had them? No, they, I did. They're good. They're pretty They're good. good. I like them all to be honest with you, but I drink the all the, only the sugar free ones. So okay. like, that's my, that's my, uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Like, <laughs> you know, I justify it like that. So sugar free in that story, when you said you had to go to the oncologist, I thought they were going to tell you they removed the wrong testicle. Oh no, that would have been, <laughs> that would have been pretty crazy. <laughs> no, they definitely removed the right. Well, actually they, the left. <laughs> they removed the left testicle, not the right, but they didn't remove the right testicle. <laughs> you know, uh, a couple months ago, I, I was like, I guess I should be checking myself in the shower. Yeah. Yeah, and I tried, sure. but I, it's like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Like, if I have yeah. testicular cancer, I wouldn't know because I've never no, you checked until now. Like, But uh, I, I'll tell you this. Since I've had it, and I'm super open. Like, I discuss. I'm super open anyways. Like, I discuss my finances. I discuss my personal life. I discuss my medical life. Like, I don't have, like, I'm completely open. Like, there's no, there's no hiding when it comes to me. And, yeah. uh since I've started speaking about my story and like people have heard it, I've had like over a dozen friends, like people that I know pretty well come to me and be like, I got this going on. Like, what do you think? And I always recommend like, see a doctor, man. Yeah. Like, what's the, what's the harm? Like, yeah, man, it sucks. There's no doubt. Especially if you got like a female family doctor, like you don't want a female, like, you know, everybody's thinking like, Oh, what if I get hurt or something like that? Like you're not going to, man. you know what I mean? You're not going to like, <laughs> it's not like that but be it could be, worry, it could be yeah. between life and death man like yeah. for real and i don't know maybe some people don't like life but i love it so yeah you know that's it there was a pretty good hockey player who had testicular cancer yeah he wasn't bad mr phil castle goals. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so i guess we could talk some leafs if you want oh yeah for sure so, like, how long have you been cheering for them? Well, I'll say when I grew up, uh, like I said, I grew up single mom. So I was around my grandparents a lot. Uh, they were like my financial, like my financial s- stick. Like they yeah. were my rock when I was, I could, I would have done nothing without them. And uh, my grandfather was a pretty big Red Wings fan. And obviously like, you know, the Red Wings had, a, I, I was born in, in 90, I start watching hockey, like, uh, religiously, I'd say, in 96. Okay. Um, the Colorado and uh, Detroit. Florida. No, Colorado and Florida would have been the final. I was a big Colorado guy, like, for that year. Yeah. And my grandfather told me about um, 
then my grandfather told me about uh, the Red Wings, and I learned about Steve Eiserman and Sergei Fedorov, and I was like, yeah. oh, man, like, what a, what a, what a great team. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go for Detroit. And uh, I, I, I cheered for them, but, like, uh, I don't know. I don't really know what made me gravitate towards towards Toronto at all, like, because I didn't have, like, any family ties. Like, my mom wasn't, like, she was a hockey fan, but not, you know, she didn't make sure that Hockey Night in Canada was on on Saturday night. Like, there was none yeah. of that. So, I don't know how I went to be a Toronto fan, but I would say around, um, like, 13 or 14, I, like, it was it was it was Alexander McGillney, I think that really like Oh yeah. took me to being a Leafs fan. Alexander McGillney, like Gary Roberts, Darcy Tucker, like I was never a fan of the superstar. I was always a fan of like you know a guy who I, I, I yeah, like the grinders. Obviously McGillney was a pretty big He was pretty a big, he was yeah, a star. he was a superstar. But for the most part I was I always like the underdog, even to this day. Like I, you know, I love Matthews and 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 the, the big name guys, but I st- I still like the the players that are like flying under the radar that you just want to like you just want them to break like you just want them to break out so bad. Like I love uh, this Michael Bunting story. Like yeah, I, like, I hope for that really- sure. I'm really, really looking hits. forward to see how that plays out. I was a big fan of the Hyman trade as soon as it happened. Like when we got Hyman, I was like, yeah. oh man, I don't even know this guy, but they're talking a lot about him and he's going to be good. So like, you know, but I would say the last five years, like the Matthews era, I've like yeah. really, 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 uh, did uh, like, you know, my, my youngster will be five next week. And I basically gave up all my competitive sports. Like I, pay, I played a like ball hockey at a national level. I played broom ball. You probably don't even know what broom ball is. I know what broom ball is. Yeah, yeah. I played broom ball at a national level. I played softball at a national level. Like, and I played in a pretty good division on pretty good teams for for all of them. Yeah. But once I had kids, my competitiveness like literally left. Yeah. And uh, not that I don't care about sports anymore. But I just, I don't know. My love is still there, but I just don't have that like competitive edge. Like I want to be, I want to be safe and not hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and I find like in order to play like competitively, you got to have like that edge that like you could, could get hurt. hurt. Yeah. Exactly. So I gave that up, and then I start watching hockey, and I got like way too into it, and now I'm just like. I basically dedicate my life to like the Leafs, man. That's pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, it's it's rough, but for the last five years, I haven't missed a game. I try to watch every Marley's game. I try to watch any like Swedish Elite League, KHL games. I try to watch like their OHL prospects, like as much as I possibly can. Yeah, but uh, you know, I normally pick normally pick two teams a year. I'll watch uh, the Leafs and somebody else. Okay, and, uh, I try to like keep up on those two teams. This year is going to be the Leafs in Seattle. Oh, okay. Try to watch all. Yeah, the they'll be interesting games. to watch. Yeah, I want to see how that analytic thing goes. I'm, I, I do like Kyle Dubas, obviously. Dubas worshiper is my, my yeah. handle. So yeah, yeah, I like him too. <laughs> but uh, I know that Ron Francis. I mean, by the looks of it, Ron Francis drafted a team completely based off analytics. Wow, so eh? I, I want to see how that works out. So. 
So uh, I got into the Leafs. Literally, no one like my family, not hockey fans at all. Like, yeah, couldn't care less. And I think I just saw a picture of Curtis Joseph. Yeah, and I, yeah. he looked so cool, like his mask there, Cujo, and like the and silver cage, all like. the all the goalie equipment, and I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. And I just, that's it right there. Yeah, and then I think when I really started watching was. I don't want to say ironically, but kind of. I started watching in the last two times they won around in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Against uh, Philly there, too. Well, they lost against Philly, but I think they beat the Sens and then went the on to Philly. Ronick. The good yeah. old Ronick goal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and I've no. been, I've been ever since, I've been watching as oh, much. Man. Back then, I didn't have TV when I was a kid, so I'd listen. Yeah. Uh, well, I had TV, but I didn't have the sports channels except for Saturdays. So I, yeah. most of the time, I would listen on uh, AM radio. Yeah. Until yeah. I got older and paid for my own TV and stuff. Yeah. And once I did, I cycle. wouldn't miss a game. <laughs> yeah. Being a Leafs fan is a vicious cycle, man. Yes. It's like uh, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, like you 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 get to the point where you. Like this is this year is gonna be different. And it's Every like, year, no, it's not. <laughs> like, no, the fuck, it's not. And then you cry. No, I'm not I, as I down. Said, I'm pretty excited for this year. Like I say every year, but I mean, oh, uh, I'm super excited. It's just like I literally, I will literally, I will not allow myself to give any emphasis on this regular season. I do not care. Yeah, I do not care if Mariner gets 200 points and they go 82 and 0, and Campbell doesn't let on a goal all year. I don't care. Yeah, I do not care what they do in the regular season, unless they don't make the playoffs. Then, then but burn it down. I can't see that. I can't see that. <laughs> I can't see that happening. Some people think that for some reason. It's like, what if you really lost? You lost Hyman, sure, but I mean, what you lost 20 goals and that's gonna. Um, uh, I. I don't know, man. There's so many points to argue. Like, there's so many, like, yes, you lost Hyman, but, like, if Hyman is the difference between being a playoff team and not being a playoff team, then, like, you know, why didn't we keep him? Yeah. Wouldn't make any, I mean, if he's the difference between p- being a playoff team and not being a playoff team, and how come he's only making, like, $5 million a year? Like, yeah. the guy should be making, like, $20 million a year if he's that good. Yeah, you know I mean, if he's the reason that Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander makes the playoffs, then you know there's bigger issues in Toronto than uh, losing him. <laughs> yeah. So, I, what I do you think it. of uh, Lilgren? Oh, that's that's a tough one because I want I want him to succeed. Like I want him to succeed so bad. Yeah. And I do think he's good. But I just don't know where you can utilize him, man. I don't know where you can utilize him. Like you He's have a pretty to give big him... log jam. Yeah, like people say, like oh, you know, he can play top four with Muzzin, and it's like, okay, he can play top four with Muzzin. So who do you take out? Do you take out Sandine, Dermot, or Hole? Yeah. Like who do you take out of those three? Because I don't see him being better than any three of those guys right now. Like, you, you, and even if you give him a chance, like he's gonna have to have like some pretty crazy insane game or stretch where 
you can justify him staying in that role and sitting yeah. out one of those guys permanently. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. like I said, I want him to succeed, but. That's I what I was kind of hoping that Dermot would be the guy gone in the expansion draft. See, <laughs> I like, I'm super high on Dermot, man. I think that, I think that Dermot needs another like year or two and he's going to be like great. I guess I don't he's think he's I don't young. think he's going to be like a 60 point guy, but yeah. I just think that like he's a he's a great skater. He's a great skater and he needs to he needs to play with a little bit more edge. I know he's really chirpy and he likes to he likes to get involved like yeah. He likes to beak, but he needs to play with a little bit more of an edge, I think, and he needs to be more sure on passing. defensive decision making. Yeah, I don't even mind his defensive decision making. Like, I think he's a solid defensive player. I just think like that first touch, like the first pass, like, and I'm not saying that based off like a, a turnover in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, this is completely not recency bias. It's, yeah. it's him in general. Like, he needs to have a, a skater that good needs to have a bit better of a of a handle on the puck in the defensive zone to be able to make a good a good breakout. Yeah. That's my opinion, I, but I do think that he could be, he could be great. And I know like comparables are stupid, but like I think uh, Sam Gerrard is like a, a pretty good, dependable player. And it took him a little while to like, yeah, build into that player. But I think, I think letting Dermot go could be like a huge bite in the ass because I do think he's going to be a player that's going to be an NHL player that's hard to play against. Yeah. So, but I feel like that about like most of most of Toronto's defense. The yeah. only one I'm not really like high on, to be honest with you, is Morgan Riley. Yeah, I did like him like in the him. playoffs, though. He, I thought I he did. I, I did. I didn't ever not like Riley, and like he's such a he's such a tough guy to evaluate because like he obviously isn't great defensively. Like that's yeah. obvious, and like he's good offensively, but he wasn't like overwhelmingly good offensively this year, which like a guy that's playing 26 minutes that isn't good defensively has to be good offensively. And he really wasn't that good. Offensively and and he year, should you know? have been with how much two on ones he was given up. He should have uh, yeah. at least been getting points on those. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're given a spot, like, I don't know what's going on with Toronto's power play, man. You cannot, you can't write like a, a horror story script that would have Toronto's power play being as bad as it was to end the season. Like, it, yeah. like you got all that talent. Like it can't be between the head. It can't be between the ears. It can't be, it got to be structure system. Like it has to be, there's no way. I did think it looked better with Sandine than, than Ryan. I did too. I did too. And I also think like, I've said this now for a while and I mean like people can agree or disagree, but Mariner is not, Mariner is not a guy that needs to be on a trigger side on no on, on his offside like you can yes man he's a great passer and you can't take that from him. he's a hundred he's a hundred point player like at the end of the day like Mitch Mariner is a superstar like he's elite yeah. he's one of the best players in the league and and I get that but when it comes to a power play you can literally like you can you can let him dance in from the dot and like he's gonna shoot a muffin on net yeah like as long as you block that one time pass to Riley or Sandine or or um, Matthews on on the other side, like you're not sitting terrible with Mariner having a shot 
from, you know, reasonable spot in the slot, like as a, as a defensive team, like you're just, you're just not, that, that that's a smart play. And I think if you put him down behind the goal line, uh, yeah, I was going to say that I he think... creates so much space because yeah. teams then have to attack him. And because like if you look gonna... at Boston, that's what they do. They go down below the goal line. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, te- a lot of teams will. And, but like the thing about it is, is who do you have as a right hand shot? That's got a great one timer. Like, yeah, Nylander has got a great shot, but I don't know. Is he, is he like a one time fit? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if he is. I th- I know Lilligren got a great shot, but like Lilligren's not really going to get <laughs> power play time. I don't think. Barring like not a Sandy, a lot of not Yeah, yeah. Not if they're not <laughs> injured. Even Muzzin, like you know what I mean. Muzzin's even like a reliable guy to get a puck on that at least. Yeah, or a tip or something. So like Spezza, maybe like maybe you know Spezza does have a nice one timer, honestly, on that wing. So I don't know. It's it's tough. See what happens with all the new guys too. Like uh, Richie scored a couple power play goals this year with Boston, and maybe he'll be a. I'm excited nice to see what kid. he what he does. Yeah, I think he's he's like an inconsistent Zach Hyman. Maybe people might hate me for even <laughs> thinking that, but he's like he's a guy who tries pretty hard when he tries, but yeah. when he doesn't, he's kind of like garbage. But oh, good. Oh, good. We'll see. <laughs> What about uh, Kasha? Is that how you say it? Kasha? Yeah, man, he's like, uh, like, you know, you can't, like, he either plays and does well or he doesn't play at all and he's injured. Like, that's it with him. Like, he's never bad. He's just either playing or not playing. Like, yeah. You know, I just, he's, he's, he's had a, a while now where he's been able to come back and he hasn't been injured. So hopefully, you know, they can do the Kawhi Leonard load management thing and hopefully, uh, Get him in the lineup. Yeah, where where do Basically. you think they slot Bunting? Uh, I'd say he starts the season on the top line, or on oh, the top wow. two lines, anyways. Somewhere up there, I'd say that's where he starts the season. But like, it, honestly, there's so many vacancies in those top two lines that, like, well, not so many. There's two left wing spots in the top two lines. Yeah, but like, in my opinion, there's like nine choices. To Put to yeah. put there like Kerfoot could play there, and he's probably like. I'd like him there on the second line. Where... I think he's. I think he's probably your number one pick to put in the top six because, like, you know what you're getting out of him, and he yeah. already has played with the team. He definitely. I like him better on the wing than at center. And I'm assuming he would rather play wing than center as well. Yeah, he's a he's not even a he's not a terrible center like positionally, but he can't win faceoffs, and you got to be able to win faceoffs. Yeah, like he's a good defensive player, man. Kerfoot is like shit on way too much. Like, I know just because of his so- just because he was traded for Kadri. That's yeah, that's, that's yeah. it. I know, and like yeah, that deal probably didn't like you know. But I, most I people were hyped at the time. Like it sucked to lose Kadri, but most people were pretty psyched to have Tyson Barry. I'll still stand by that trade not being too bad, man. If yeah. Sheldon Keith is the coach to start that season, Tyson Barry's season goes a lot better. Yeah, he dragged Barry's confidence down down to the pits, and uh, by the time Keith got there, you know he played pretty he good. Scored in Keith, his first honestly. game with Keith. But the thing about it is that year Toronto just had way too many like one-dimensional players under yeah D. So 
were back in the day, I guess it's not that long ago, but I mean, were you a pro gardener or anti gardener? I was pro gardener. So I was anti gardener, but I turned pro gardener. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know how. Don't know how you turned pro gardener after gardener fucking us so many times. Uh, it was. I realized kind of like I was only noticing his giveaways. Yeah. Um, Honestly, man, like that's like you got if you're watching hockey, man. Like it's one thing to watch and see somebody make a mistake and be like, okay, they made a mistake. And I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna look at the four things they did correct before that mistake. Yeah. I'm not gonna look at the four good plays that happened before the mistake. I'm just gonna think about the mistake because either a the mistake turned into a goal, or b it turned into like a a good chance. Yeah. So right off the bat, you're getting that like recency bias, and it's then hockey. automatically you got the other guys that like don't look at those mistakes and they just go like right to the charts and they're like, oh, but look at the numbers. They're all in blue. Yeah. And it's like, man, you gotta be <laughs> able to balance both. Like you know, like yeah, I agree. But like when honestly the back the back injury destroyed Gardner like yeah it destroyed him his career is bust now poor guy he's a good guy he wasn't bad man like him and Riley just you can't have two guys like you can't have two guys like that on the same team man you just yeah you know if you're gonna play two guys like that in your top four you gotta play four guys like that in your top four. Because like it's it's all in or, or nothing like he, yeah, so you know he just he got shit on and and right rightfully so man you know as good as good as he was and as good as he he played at times like those playoff blunders were just too much man they were too much yeah you said just hate his face because um, you'd see that and you'd just see his oh, it, man. the camera go to his face every time and it's like. Fuck yeah. sakes. I know. You again, man. You again. <laughs> I know. And I couldn't believe this year's playoffs. I, oh, my God. I could, man. Oh. I seen it, man. I seen it coming from right from the very start. As soon as Tavares got hurt, I was like, it was game one. And I was like, this is fucking, this is like typical. Yeah. I was like, going you know, Game of Thrones, Mad King when that happened. I was literally like. Burn them all. Ah, <laughs> uh, not me, man. That was a, I, I thought that was like a freak accident, complete mistake. I was it like, was. you know, shit happens, man. It fucking happens in hockey. Like, it sucks. It fucking sucks. But I don't give a fuck. Montreal made the finals and they had a great run. I can't take that from them. Carey Price was amazing. Shea Weber played probably the best hockey he ever played. Like, they had young guys like Cole Caulfield in the lineup that, like, you know, played – a lot better than I expected them to in yeah. moments that, you know, were, you know, pretty, pretty important. And, uh, it doesn't matter. Like they still were in a good team. Like you go on a good 20 game run right on like Buffalo also was like, what, like uh 16 and two or something to start one year. Like, and then they didn't make the playoffs. I don't know if it was that good, but they were, yeah. they were really good. And, uh, it, it you can just get on runs like that, man, where confidence just brings you like hockey is it matters what your team is compiled of, but there's a lot of luck yeah. involved. And like I think if Toronto plays Montreal without Tavares a hundred times, they win that series like ninety three times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just that's just the way it went. And that was it. And for once it wasn't 
a defenseman's fault or a goaltender's fault. It was the superstar's fault, and there's nobody else to blame. So yeah. if you're losing because your superstars aren't playing good, but your depth is fine, then like you gotta know that you know it was unlucky. Yeah, it was unlucky. And I mean, you can keep saying it over and over. We lost to Columbus because we were unlucky. Superstars couldn't score. Blah blah blah. But like eventually, like you gotta feel something's gonna happen. Like yeah, I mean, like Matthews isn't gonna score one goal in seven games for 10 more years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's no way, there's no way a guy that good is going to, but personally put like I said in the playoffs, change up the lines, man, get Marner, Nylander and, and Matthews like mixed them around. You're giving Philip Deneau way too fucking easy of a job. Yeah. Glad he's gone. going out there. Deneau's going out there just shutting down one line. Yeah. Nylander and Kerfoot were doing great, but uh, I think if you could have, if you could have give Marner a third line spot, and I know this sounds crazy, but if you could have given Marner a third line spot and you could have got him some good matchups, say Marner played with like uh, Marner on the right side and Spezza and Mikheyev, like just this spitballing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even if, even say like uh, Marner, Felino and Mikheyev, like just anybody, man, like anybody. And, yeah. you know, you got your top two lines. You got, you know, Hyman, Matthews, Nylander, Kerfoot, whoever else you want to sprinkle throughout there. Like it really, you know, it really didn't matter. But I think if you split those three guys up, Matthews, Nylander, and, and, uh, and Marner, Marner, you, uh, you make it really hard to defend against because three of those guys are able to create stuff at least. You know what I mean? So you just, can't play. 48 minutes a game. like <laughs> Yeah. I think it just goes to show you how crazy it was that those two, Matthews and Marner, weren't able to score, that Keefe didn't change it up because no. he's just thinking this is going to break through at some point. It's it's Matthews and Marner. Like, it's going to break through. And you know and what? It, it didn't. Keith said from the very beginning of the series, he said, I'm not worried about matchups. Yeah. And to me, that was like the most cocky, thing he could have said. Like I was like, if you're not worried about matchups, then you're not a good coach. Because you need to worry about matchups. Like this is the NHL man. You're not playing like uh like a, a high school freshman team. Like Yeah. You could lose to anybody in a seven game series. You can literally lose to anybody in a seven game series. And you're playing against Carey Price. As much as everyone wants to say, oh Price hasn't been good since 2015, he's still Carey Price. Obviously he's been good since 2015 because he won a playoff series last year and he won a couple playoff series this year. Yeah. You know, like he still has capability, obviously. And, uh, I think the stubbornness and the cockiness to not change anything, well, not, not anything. Cause obviously there were some changes, but that stubbornness to like stick with Mariner and Matthews, like the whole way through. And they didn't play bad. I'm not saying yeah. they played bad. Like they, they really didn't. They created a lot of chances, some great high danger chances. But like, even just to split them up to make Dino's, you know, Job make Dino's look different. Yeah. yeah, like if you, if if Matt if Mariner goes out and scores a goal with like Felino and Mikheyev, then maybe you put him back with Matthews. He's got a little bit more confidence. He holds the puck an extra second longer, or he gives it up a second earlier, and then things are changed. Right? Like I don't know. Yeah. You don't even need to do it for like, you know, six games or three games, whatever. 
Yeah. You, you can do it for like a period and maybe that makes the whole, all the difference in the world, but they didn't, they yeah. lost. And I laughed because I thought I was going to be really angry and I really wasn't. I actually was a lot more calm about this than I was against the two Boston losses. I was just upset I had to work the next day because <laughs> I would have I would have been sick for sure. Oh, I I just wanted to pound them back after that. Oh man, I wouldn't have been able to fucking I, drink. I did go in a rage into the bathroom and shave off my huge playoff <laughs> Oh shit. I didn't do anything. I literally laughed. I literally laughed. I was like, <laughs> this is so like Toronto. Typical. This is yeah. so typical. We're talking about the Leafs here. <laughs> yep. Well, maybe next year that's uh that's actually my buddy was uh he doesn't really watch hockey, but he just started to watch like during the playoffs and stuff and he gets into it. Yeah. And he tells me maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like you're new at this, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, man, <laughs> like holy shit. Like <laughs> And, I've been and you know saying what? that for years. I had people come to me like Habs fans, and I'm pretty good. Like I said, even on Twitter and stuff, I said, "Oh, you know, like uh, this is how it's going to go." Like everyone, th- everyone thought like Montreal was done. Like they might as well just like forfeit four games because like yeah. it was in the ba- it was in like it was in the books. Like like no way, man. This is hockey. Like so, I said, "Don't think it's going to be so easy because they ain't right." Like. Montreal, if they've shown anything, is that they're a pain in the ass to play against. Yeah, and that was even before the playoffs. You know what I mean? They're hard. They're a hard team to play against. And uh, it was funny because I said, I don't pick on anyone. If if the Leafs win twenty to nothing, I'm not going to text the Hab fan and be like, you know, I, I don't give no shit like that. And I normally don't take any back because I don't give it. I normally don't get any right. And most of my like hardcore Habs friends, they'll. Uh, you know, they they didn't poke no fun at me really, but I had a few people that like uh, that knew I was a Leafs fan, like with the school board and stuff, and they'd be like, "Oh, how do you like that?" Like, you know what I mean? And I'd be yeah. like, "Listen, there's nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that you could say that will hurt me as bad as the Leafs have hurt me the last five years." Yeah, you know what I mean? You can't say anything that will that will hurt me that bad. Like the game is over, the hurt is gone. Yeah, you can't you can't do shit to me. You know what I mean? Like, so you you can keep talking, but at this point, that's all you're doing is talking because yeah, you know you're not you're not phasing me. Maybe maybe if the least lost in the second round, I'd I'd have some like uh, deeper emotion or something. But the first round is kind of just like standard, so kind of built up like a immunity yeah. to to being upset about it. I don't know. Oh, well, maybe at least when they win, my kid might be old enough to remember it. Yeah, my little fellow loves the Leafs, and he's like, he's four. He's just going to turn five next week. And he's like, his favorite player is Muzzin. He's like, oh, did Muzzin score tonight? And I told him, like, oh, the Leafs are up three to win, buddy. They win one more game, and they're going to the next round. And he'd be like, oh, daddy, like, hope they win. And he'd stay up and watch, like, the first period or whatever, you know. i put him to bed. Next yeah. morning, you wake up, you come right in my room. He'd be like, dad, did the Leafs win? Like no, they lost, but they're still up three to two, so they got two more chances. And when they lost Game Seven, I was like, "Yeah, they lost Game seven. And he's like, "Are they out now?" I was like, "Yeah, we can't watch no more Leafs games till next year." He's like, "So I can't watch Muzzin till next year?" I was like, "No." And he like started to cry. 
Oh, no. Buddy, you get used to it, man, because yeah. you got a long yeah. life of this shit. <laughs> You're four. Yeah. So, it's the way it is, man. Oh, well, so, so uh, I think that's been a good chat, and I'll call it here. Um, yeah, for sure. Do got to prepare for bed and tomorrow's long day. Oh, yeah. If you're getting up at 4.30. Yeah. Long day. Yeah. But uh, it's been nice having you, Mitchell. Yes. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed yeah. it. Like I said, I can uh, I can uh, chat the cat off a fish truck, man. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Right on. Well, thanks again, Mitch. Yeah, thanks for having I'll, me. And uh, I'll send you care. a link once it's up. I'll send you a link if you want to listen or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Right on. Have a good cool. night. Yeah, you too. Later, bye. 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 I'd like to thank Mitch for coming on tonight. Yet again, I had a great time recording, talking about his life. Uh, it's been quite the story, I think. And uh, as usual, it's always a good time talking Leafs with uh, fellow Leafs fans. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for our next episode of The 99.